What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We do not have Brian with us today, though. But anyway, um, welcome to the Church Split. You guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, challenge the status quo. Guys, I wanted to welcome you real quick to the channel. This is a very off the cuff, like, like I don't even have this like centered or anything. I'm just a mess. Uh, but this is a very off the cuff live stream. My wife is gone for the weekend. The kid's down. I was bored and I've wanted to talk about this and I was looking at my schedule this week trying to figure out how I was going to be able to talk about this. And um, yeah, there was going to be no time. So I was like, well, I'm just going to shoot something now. So it is past midnight, which definitely means I'm going to be scatterbrained. And yeah, I know uh, Biblical Theology Unfiltered, by the way, is in the chat. Let me give my friend Zamo here a shout out. He just dropped his first video this week. You should go like and subscribe to him. He's fantastic. Um, I already loved his, uh, the very first video was amazing. I sent it to a bunch of people. I was like, you got to check it out. This guy's crushing it, and I'm really looking forward to more. Also, we have uh, Nick Quint, New Testament theologist, uh, as well in the comments. If you haven't subbed to him, uh, you're probably not missing anything special. So uh, anyway, um, so with that being said, I am um, sorry, sorry, Nick, I wanted to wanted to shoot off at you. But all right, guys, I got to stop being scatterbrained. So today I wanted to talk about um, Tyler Vela's leaving the faith. And I think it's Vela. I have a tendency to say Vela. Um, so if I get that mixed up as we go, I am very sorry. And I uh, just so everyone knows, I have not watched the, the video he did put out yet. I haven't gotten to that. But I just kind of want to talk about the general overall part of the situation because, man, in the Christian theological and apologetics community, this, this entire week has been bananas. You have Cameron Batuzzi, um going Catholic and everyone's losing their minds over it. I'm over here like, oh yeah, didn't we all see that coming? Is that really that surprising? I mean, is that, the they're still Christian, right? <laughs> but everyone's losing their minds, uh, especially uh, one part. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the ironies I have, I am seeing in the next, in the last week. And then on the other side, you have Tyler Vela, who is, um, you know, who went from being a reformed apologist and uh, defender of reformed dogma to now apparently denouncing Christianity. Uh, now, for those who do not know, this is going to be uh, talking about Tyler Vela specifically. Uh, it's not going to be dealing with, uh, of course, Cameron Bertuzzi, because honestly, I don't care that he's Catholic. I, congratulations. Um, so a couple things. For those who do not know who Tyler Vela is, uh, he this is, of course, a guy who was reformed, as I had mentioned. So he was a Calvinist. He was a very outspoken Calvinist. And he was very, uh, he was kind of involved in the debate sphere and the apologetic sphere. And he was pretty well liked by Calvinists. But I was kind of surprised when James White on Twitter was like, who is that? And I'm like, oh, that hurts. Even James White knows who I am. Like that's that's not okay. I feel I'm actually kind of surprised. I felt like James White would know him, but anyway. Um, but Tyler Vela is uh, he was pretty well known within a small the smaller uh, theological community. And those who are not Calvinist, I will be honest. So I think Calvinists liked him because he was kind of like a pit bull. Uh, he was known to be kind of so we say pointed uh with his words is that a good way to put that but the other problem is that he also was uh, in the, to the non-calvinists he was actually known in my experience with him to be very 
uh, almost disrespectful and disingenuous when he would engage with non-Calvinists. So I, I only engaged with him, I think, one time. He might not even remember it. I vaguely remember it. And I just, I've seen him engage with other people. And I was just like, you know what? I, I'm out. Like, I just, this is not the kind of person I'm overly interested in having a conversation with. Um, but at the same time, I do know that many people looked up to him. And I'm not saying he's all bad. I'm just saying that I think that his approach was not always very good. But then again, I'm not a Calvinist. So um, I don't really, obviously, I already disagree with him. I already disagree with him, right, in his theological views. But then also, um, plus, if somebody feel, I feel like they're constantly misrepresenting my position, that's just not someone I really want to engage with. But who am I to judge? Oh, man, I, it was all predestined. So um, I don't have Brian here as my tone police, so this is going to be really bad. So, um, yeah, and that, and barely Protestant, is that, that's an awesome name. Uh, Vela has always been incredibly uncharitable. Yeah, and that's kind of been my experience with him. He has been uncharitable. And I'm not saying this to try to dog him. I'm just saying, um, it, I'm just saying, in my experience, he wasn't that way at all. And I think he had that kind of reputation for non-Calvinists or people or atheists who didn't agree with him. Um, but in the, in the Calvinist community, quite a few people actually liked him, which is kind of strange to me because I think he actually gave him a bad rep as there are some really great Calvinists out there. Um, and I remember guys, I'm very non-Calvinist, but like, uh, Guillaume Bignon is awesome. Um, I'm always going to screw up his name, but it's French. What do you want from me? Uh, I love him. Uh, Chris Date, I love him as well. Uh, you know, there, I, there's plenty of Calvinists I like. It's just, you know, certain ones I'm like, yeah, I'm not down with how that it was being argue, it, argued. But um, anyway, so with that being said, um, I'm just going, all I'm going to do here, guys, is I'm going to read through his announcement. I'm going to read some of the comments he has made, and also I'm going to read some of the comments he's made in a recent live stream, uh, and I'm going to point out some things that I find to be problematic, but also ironic in their own ways. Uh, and like I said, it's mostly going to be a commentary, I think, on the uh, the Kelvin community, so to speak. But anyway, so real quick, let's uh, let's go ahead and get uh get into this so i'm going to share my screen with you guys and again this off the cuff i even had to move my uh screen around in my uh, studio around a little bit to make this work so the camera's right here so i'm not like looking at it this entire time so i'm sorry for those of you who that's that's probably going to bother you so that's that's a thing but all right so let's go ahead and do this uh real fast um so we are going to if i could just do this uh well crud monkeys hold on hold on we're going to get there. Talk about holy dead air, Batman. All right, there we go. Yes, that screen. Sorry. I had it set up. Now here we are. All right. So, guys, you're just going to have to deal with it. Um, I should be off to the left. Yes, I am. Cool. All right. You guys see uh, that endless mirror of um, StreamYard. But all right. So, right here, guys, is just his initial announcement. This is from his Freethinker podcast group. And this was his entire announcement. I'm just going to read everything so that way I can't, can't be accused of reading them out of context. Okay. So, he says this 
It has become rather obvious to me from various events in my life that it's time to make public what my family and many friends know in private. This past year has solidified many things in my life and has also shown me that many things which I thought were solid were not. For the past two years, I have been on somewhat of a roller coaster with God and faith and religion and the trajectory while having some swings, something up, having some upswings have been generally downward and away from any religious faith or commitment. My reasons for this are presently my own, and I know speculations and accusations will come, though I think most will be most will be loving, albeit disappointed. Wait, wait. See, that's why I shouldn't read like this. I know speculations, accusations will come, though I think most will be loving, albeit disappointed. Yep. Though to thine own self be true, to go against conscience is neither right nor safe, and all that jazz. However, about a year ago, I was given some sage advice to not blow up the ship unless I was certain I had to. I'm at that point, and others have also noticed the dichotomy and have started asking questions about it, which indicates to me that it's probably time to go public. I normally wouldn't, but since many of you have found your way into my life via my public appearances, I thought it only fair, and those who have not noticed the shift, I apologize in advance if this comes as a shock, especially to some of you with whom I am close to and have not shared with this already. All right, before I move on, a couple of things I just wanted to point out here was uh, he said he's been going over this over the past two years, but especially the last year. Now, three weeks before this, he actually participated in a debate to defend limited atonement. So, it, so here's the reality. What People just need to come to face this reality. Either he was disingenuous and lying there or... He's disingenuous and lying here. I mean, that's just the reality. It's like you were representing a group of people and a, and a theological thought while also at the same time secretly renouncing it. Um, many people would have a problem with that. Uh, I remember many times uh, when non-Calvinists have uh, things like this have happened and many people on the reform side rightfully called it out. And I think it's rightfully that we call this out here. Um, He's, he, he hasn't been honest, and uh, I, I think this is at least good that he has. Like, he's over here. I think it's very fair that he's like, hey, I think I, I should be honest now. I think that's good, but that is a reality. I was like, wow, that, like three weeks ago, you were just on uh, debating the limited atonement, and here we are. But anyway, I guess he wasn't one of the few limitedly atoned for. Anyway, all right, so <laughs> that... These, these comments are going to keep coming from my mouth. I apologize. So with that, I am announcing, he says, at this time, I no longer feel comfortable identifying as a Christian, at least not in the intrinsic, well, identify as a Christian, at least not in the intrinsic evangelical sense, which already is confusing. Philosophical theist, sure, even a theologically conservative reformed philosophical theist at that. As confounding as that may sound to many who are in the know on Reformed theology. Beyond this, I do not have the answers. All I can do is put a sign on the steeple which reads, Church Closed, and a sign on me, Work in Progress, or Close for Renovation. I fought for a long time against the growing tide of doubts and reservations and honestly apathy and discontent, but found at the end of the day, the more I fought, the more... The more acute they became, like an existential Chinese finger trap for which the more I struggled to free myself from, the worse it became. Okay, that's actually pretty funny. Um, for those who may be bold or crass or just curious, 
I'll address some of the concerns. No, this is not due to some deep unrepented sin or addiction. No, my Calvinism didn't drive me to it in some fatalistic dash. And no, I'm not an atheist. No, I do not hate the Bible, think religion poisons everything, or any other such nonsense. I still find Christianity and the Bible to be beautiful, meaningful, and in some significant sense true. But I just cannot remain tethered to the mast and pretend that I can. I want to, or will order my life by the narrow precepts through is generally, though it's generally equity, is general equity is admirable. Few things on this that instantly stick out to me. This is actually just a big wall of jargon and contradiction. It just is. And it's weird to me that somebody who engages in the apologetics of theological sphere doesn't instantly identify it. Like he goes, I know this might sound confounding to some. It's like, no, no, this, you can't say I'm no longer identifying as a Christian. And he has told people all right, at this point that he actually denies Jesus, essentially. So he's definitely not a Christian. So intrinsic, evangel in, intrinsic evangelical sense. Look, man, there's only one Christian sense. And the Christian sense is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's, that is Christian. So just say you're not a Christian. Like, I, that, that just annoys me. But philosophical theist, sure. Even a theologically conservative, reformed philosophical theist. And this means makes no sense to me. I feel like this, if I was a reformed Christian, I think I would be very upset by, by call, him calling himself a conservative, reformed philosophical theist. Because it's like, dude, you said you're not a Christian. So stop saying you're a reformed theist. Because that's what that means. But uh, at least especially in his group. Because he says um, that it... Uh, confounding at what, who are in the know on Reformed theology. Like, okay. Anyway, um, so then he says his doubts came in. And honestly, guys, this is why I'm part of the Talk About Doubts team. This is why I think Talk About Doubts with Dr. Jonathan McGlatchy is really important because people do have them. Um, problem is that sometimes uh, people just cave into them and that's just the reality of it. So anyway, uh, for those who may be bold or crass or just curious, here's what's kind of funny. I did forget to mention this in his previous one over here, but one of the things he said, I'm sure the responses will be charitable, but I find it very funny that this is someone who is known not to be charitable. So it, I don't know, for me, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, okay, so you want I, I, do you want people to be charitable with you? Maybe he doesn't care, I don't know, but it's just kind of funny. Um, so then he goes, so what is next? I have no clue. And that uncertainty, which used to terrify the control freak in me, uh, is actually part of what led to the change. No idea. I studied this for decades. And honestly, I still love the discussions and the grand thoughts of significant exploration. So in other words, he enjoys the philosophical exercise. So do I walk away from all of it? Do I close up shop on the podcast and YouTube debates and blogs, research and writing? How do I continue in good conscience without it becoming purely academic? Again, I have no idea. What are my beliefs on this or that for now? No clue. Thinking it through and much will likely uh, will make likely fade or change colors in the wash. For now, I'm walking in love and honesty and just enjoying the grand thing we call life with family and friends and those I hold near and dear. Thank you all for the, your, the years of love and support, and I hope that this does not negatively impact anyone's own journey as they explore their faith for themselves. I'm not trying to take anyone down with me or anything like that. I love you all, and for the last year, I am finally walking finally walking comfortable and confident in my own self. So this is me. Hi, nice to meet you again. So I'll, I'll say this, it isn't actually a very eloquently worded post, but um, 
is a very eloquently put post, but it's got a lot of contradictions within it. Calling yourself a reformed philosophical theist while saying you renounce Christianity doesn't make a lot of sense. Some of the other things is just, of course, like, hey, basically I enjoy the philosophical discussion. And kind of what I get from this uh, at this point is that more like just a Neoplatonist, right? It's like, okay, well, maybe I am in some philosophical sense a theist, but I'm not a biblical Christian um, in, in that sense. So I guess I'm just a, a Platonist now. So um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> some of y'all are ridiculous in the comments, by the way. Uh, when I'm going to the other screen to share, guys, I, by the way, can't see the chat. So hopefully nothing is uh, crazy being said here uh, that I can't uh, catch up on later. But so if you have something that you really want me to say, save it for later. Okay. I will talk to you guys here in a minute. All right. Um, so let's, let, let's keep on trucking. Am I allowed to say that? I feel like that's what Braxton says and I probably shouldn't say it because I feel like that's his tagline, but I like it. All right. So let's keep moving folks, um, to the next part. So here, so other people started asking him like, Hey, what are your thoughts and beliefs on this? Um, and so this is kind of what he said over here. All right. He goes, um, some have asked what I do, what, what do I, what, I do now with Jesus. I'm not sure to be honest. I haven't worked it out. And honestly, I'm somewhat apathetic about it. I'm in a let, let the chips fall where they may. Even with that, I know that I don't believe in the Trinity, the divinity of Jesus or the atonement. The concepts don't make sense to me or any to me anymore. And I think we're largely propped up by faith and the need to be quote orthodox and consistent within the, that system. Hmm. Even after my faith dropped and I even felt the belief slipping away, I still choose to consciously affirm them again. Pascal's wager in viewing faith as a volitional activity and not purely a cognitive one. Some will think that was lying. I do not, but I understand that reaction. I mean, dude, kind of have been, but whatever. Anyway, so Jesus, in short, if I had to go with the classic Lewis trilemma taxonomy, I'd probably put him in a lunatic category, but not actually a lunatic crazy person because that term is far too strong and negative and almost creates a false dichotomy that you either think he was right or a crazy person. Who would be, who would be, should be locked up in that time and place. There are many who believed that they were divine and Jesus may have been deluded about this calling, uh, calling an calling and origin, but that does not mean, I think, that he was Looney Tunes or worthy of a padded cell. He was a good man who exhorted people to good living and care for the outcasts. At the end, I think the closest I have is that Jesus is an enigma. He defies classification, and that's okay. I just don't feel the need to resolve that puzzle anymore. But to the disappointment of many of you, I no longer believe he was divine, the divine son of God or savior of my sins. So this is a straight up apostasy, right? Straight up apostasy. There's no way around it. He's apostatized. He's denied the, not just the divinity of Jesus, but the person of Jesus and his own messianic work. Okay. So it's not even just a denial of the Trinity that makes him an apostate. It's a complete denial of Christ and his finished work. All right. There's so much here. And, but I do want to point out a few things. Remember when he said this has nothing to do with his Calvinism? This has nothing to do with that, right? Nothing to do with that Calvinism, guys. I know what some of you guys are going to be thinking. It has nothing to do with my Calvinism. But then what does he say here? Well, 
These concepts don't make much sense to me anymore. I think they were largely propped up by faith and the need to be orthodox and consistent within that system. Because here's the reality. In Calvinism and in the Reformed community, there is something that is considered orthodox. And it is not, it is not just the Nicene Creed. It is not just like the first 500 years of the church. It is none of these things. It actually has its own system, which was built primarily, I mean, it has Catholic, obviously, like, or you could say orthodox, truly historically orthodox teachings. You could say, say things like the Trinity. But then in the 16th century with the reform dogma, you have tulip that suddenly becomes a thing for uh, orthodoxy, right? You have to affirm tulip. You have to affirm the complete sovereignty of God. You uh, and not And by sovereignty of God, we mean the way they hijack it and presuppose it, which means that God causally determines all things, or that God unchangeably decrees all things. You have no free will. Um, the other thing is, is he, <laughs> they also, it, you have to affirm, because he says, I don't believe in the atonement anymore. And I was just on like almost a three-hour discussion on um, Faith Unaltered with actually uh, a few people, but especially this boy down here, Joshua Davison. What's up, buddy? Your beard's looking good. I'm trying to play catch up. But anyway, um, I was just on Faith on Altar talking about the atonement. And you'll notice that me and Joshua Sherman, we actually just uploaded it on our channels because we want to promote it. We want to promote these guys as much as possible. So go check out Faith Unaltered. But, and uh, don't watch it on our channel if you can. Watch it on theirs. But we have it here so that way other people can be exposed to them. But anyway, the, the thing is, is that even in Protestant Christianity, if you deny the idea of God pouring out his wrath on his son, they call you a heretic. In fact, I literally just said, I did not even explain my entire view, but with David Palman on this channel, I said that I did not affirm that God poured his wrath out on his son. And James White called me a quote, heretic, right? So now I don't really care, right? Because I, James White is whatever. I'm, uh, I am so over you. Uh, but anyway, um, I've outgrown you, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> So, but the thing is, is what, so with that, you have that, you have John MacArthur saying similar things. I mean, if you don't teach even that God descended into hell, I mean, that Jesus descended into hell and was punished for three days, some of these people will call you a heretic. So there is a system within Calvinism, and that is the things from the Reformation. You have to affirm the tulip, you have to affirm the binding of man's will, you have to affirm uh, penal substitutionary atonement, because to them, they're all connected, and they are. They are all connected. If you look if you look at tulip and you look at the system, you actually, you can't unsee it once you see it. This is the way it works, okay? So he says that right here has nothing to do with Calvinism, but then he also says that he has to hold on to them in some sense because of some sense of having to remain orthodox. So in other words, Remember what we say at the beginning of this, challenge the status quo? Because it does always need challenging. Because if you are like, because we, uh, I was just actually talking to a friend of mine. He's, we're actually going to be recording an episode tomorrow together. Uh, he's a missionary. But I was talking to a friend of mine tonight, and he actually said, he's like, orthodox and Protestantism has like no meaning because they were called heretics, right? They When they reformed the church or they were reforming, they were called heretics. But then they started calling other people heretics, like the Anabaptists. And on and on and on it went and to the point where everything's heresy. And when you make everything a big deal, nothing's a big deal. So, and I I, I like uh, that with this guy. He's a third guy. Easy systems aren't the answer. It must be true also, right? So 
Exactly. The systems aren't the answer. It must be a true system. So if you're going to hold, so that's why you have to ask, are my beliefs consistent? Are my beliefs um, working together? So when, when I'm seeing this, and it's sad because I don't want to see Christians apostatize. I was not happy to hear that Tyler Vela apostatized. Okay. I was not happy about that. Other people were saying that people were celebrating it, that non-Calvinists were celebrating it. We weren't celebrating it. Now there was a certain irony to it um, because this is somebody who was very uncharitable to people who did not agree with him. But meanwhile, everyone else, uh, so other people were like, yeah, this guy who's been kind of a jerk to us now has left the faith. And you guys have been attacking us who are in the faith. Seats. Maybe we should be a little bit nicer to each other. And uh, so that was more the irony that was brought out. However, so now that's what we just saw the him, right? Where he clarifies about you. So first off, he goes, hey, I've been, this has been a downward spiral for two years, the last year especially. And basically I've still been operating under this, uh, under this lie. And so now I'm coming clean. And then people were at, have been asking a lot about Jesus. And so he makes a statement that he denies Jesus' divinity and he says he's a crazy person. Now he's like, now a lot of people thought they were divine back then. So he just had wrong preconceived notions, right? So he tries to downplay it. But bottom line is you still fell into, he was delusional, he was crazy, but he was still a moral person doing moral good things. and. This is, of course, I have an issue with this in general. If you're not a theist, if you're not a theist, and especially, if, or if you are a theist, but you have no like area you subscribe to theism with, I don't think you really have the right to sit there and say anything is objectively good or bad. Because I really, the only way objective moral values can exist is if God is true. And if God is true, objective moral values do exist. Um, and I, I think we have plenty of arguments for God's existence that can say, yep, so we do have moral values. Um, but anyway, uh, and if you don't know what religion you subscribe to, then what is even the point of any of it, right? So, so it just, it seems, it's, that's when you're like, well, I'm a philosophical theist. I'm like, so what, like just a deist? I don't, uh, honestly, I don't know how such people can, like, he, sa he says he's at peace. And I think this would actually cause me more turmoil than anything. Like, oh, I'm a theist, but I have no idea what I believe. So, um, so yeah, exactly. He says he's a theist. I just have no idea what sort of theist that is. And I, I think that would actually cause more turmoil to just say, I'm a theist, but I just have no ground which, which religion it is. Um, but you think that Jesus was just crazy. So it's like, okay, so that really only leaves you with a few. So theism is generally theism is monotheism, right? Um, so if theism is monotheism, then you only have a couple options, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, right? Unless somebody else all has it wrong and you make your own. And so, and I think the, the case for Islam is extremely weak, like pathetically weak. Somebody should let Andrew Tate that know, but I'm not sure if he would be able to figure that out, but that's a topic for another time. Uh, but then you have Judaism and Judaism has a lot of good things going for it. I actually agree with a lot of things with Judaism because believe it or not, as a New Testament Christian, we're kind of, it's kind of the, the building off point of Judaism, right? So anyway, um, with that being said, uh, let's just, I want to look at a few more things that were sent to me, um, by the way. Oh, shout out for, to Provisionist Perspective also in the comments. Um, good to see you guys uh, here. I, I don't know which one that is, Eric or Drew, but either way, either way, either way y'all are my boys. So, all right. So let's just go ahead and keep on moving. All right. So 
I'll oops, share my screen this way. We're going to move over here. So then comes some of these other things that he was asked about. So for the record, Reformed theology had nothing to do with any of it. It was actually the biggest comfort and thing that pushed me to hold on and continue to uh, to try far longer, right? Far longer than I otherwise would have. Sorry, the camera's kind of in the way, so I'm trying to see this the best I could. So Reformed Theology had nothing to do with this. The thing that very, had me hang on doesn't resolve to tension for many. Doesn't res I think you meant the tension. Doesn't resolve the tension for many, but when people are using this as a platform to attack Reformed Theology or determinism, they speak for the, for, from the sphincter, so to speak. So uh, again, there we go, uh, him being uncharitable. That, what a shock, right? Um, so that's kind of a, that's actually kind of weak compared to what I, I'm used to seeing from him. Like I said, I only engaged him once and then I saw the way he engaged other people and said, yeah, okay, uh, no. Although it would be kind of fun to debate him. But anyway, and he goes, uh, he's talking to an individual here. He says, uh, he says, what a strange spin on what I said. So in this discussion, I didn't keep me, it didn't keep me in unbelief. It is a thing that kept me motivated to see God in Christ and keep praying and holding on way longer than I had not had that view. So again, he's talking about determinism and Calvinism here, which I find this really funny because he's talking about how he was praying and how he was holding on. I thought the whole point of Calvinism was that you didn't do those things. Uh, God did them for you. But anyhow, that is, had I been an Arminian or worse, an open theist, I would have abandoned the faith way sooner. So that's your takeaway, your views makes people abandon it sooner. So apparently if you're an open theist, you abandon things sooner. Although Chris Fisher at God is Open um, and quite a few of the other guys at Black Sheep Theology that we're a part of here um, all would disagree with that statement. Uh, they're still, on the, they're still on, the, on the path. So he goes, this is why psychoanalyzing while ax grinding isn't the best way to engage with folks, Drew. Oh yeah, I should have known that was you. Uh, and, and now when uh, I still call you an anti-Calvinist, a semi-Pelagian, it's not even because I have a dog in that fight. It's just because it's accurate. So he's engaging with you guys, actually, over there, uh, provisionist perspective. So sorry about that. I actually didn't realize that until this very second. I'm like, oh, duh. Um, all right. So then here's where the crux is. Now, remember, it has nothing to do with this Calvinism. Um, you know, it just has to has happens to have to be a certain system of belief, right? That's got to be the thing. Um, but then we have uh, the whole facts here. Now get this. And I also think that the Bible teaches that I previously believed that it is true, that it's that it teaches what I previously believed it teaches. I just no longer believe that it is true. But I believe the Bible teaches what the Reformed say it does. So he's going, hey, I don't believe the Bible anymore. I don't believe Jesus anymore, but totally teaches a Reformed view. This is exactly what I saw from Eric Skorzynski with Preacher Boys too. He was like, nope, I abandoned the faith. And I was like, well, have you even considered maybe a different system? Because one of the big things with Eric was he was like, well, if people accept the gospel, and it's supposed to be this life-changing things, why do people still abuse? And I was like, well, mainly because you have a bad view of how the gospel works because you have been Calvinist. You've been listening to R.C. Sproul this whole time. So because you've been listening to R.C. Sproul this whole time, you have a bad view on how this is supposed to work. And thus, you equated that with Christianity and abandoned it all. So when I mentioned this to him, he goes, nope, the Bible reads Calvinist, it reads Reformed, and that was just his, his staunch position. Same with what we're seeing here with Vela. There's no way... You know what? I was wrong about God existing, but there's no way. Oh, wait, no, no. That's right. He's a theist. That's right. I was wrong about Jesus and what 
who Jesus was, but I definitely could not be wrong about the Reformed perspective. Because <laughs> that follows. All right, and now here's, here's the crux of it. Remember, Calvinism and determinism has nothing to do with it, yet he says this. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Much love from Tyler Vila. So, it had everything to do with this Calvinism after all. That's the reality. It had everything to do with it. Um, because bottom line is, he wants to be the master of his own fate, the master of his own soul. Calvinism doesn't allow for that. It doesn't allow for you to be that. It means that everything has to be unchangeably determined and decreed by God to come to pass. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. So every time you're suffering, it has to be from God. Why? For his own glory. Well, why does God gain glory by my being a child and being abused by a parent? Doesn't matter. Don't think, just believe. He does it for his own glory. He has his own reasons within his secret will. And also, ironically, if, if it, like, let's say he does go full on non-theist and atheist, atheism is just as determined as Calvinism. It just attributes it to natural causes as opposed to divine causes. And here's the, here's the reality as well that a lot of reformed people don't want to talk about when it comes to this. So he wants to be the master of his own fate. He wants to be the master of his own soul, that sort of thing. And as a determinist, you can't be. In fact, that's the same view that, uh, and people really don't like to admit this, but that's where Islam and the reformed views come together. They both believe God's sovereignty means that he has to be um, all powerful, but we forget the omnibenevolence, right? He has to be omnipotent, omnipotent, omnipotent. He must be able to do anything that is conceivable, which means he can do that, which is contradictory. He can will evil and still call himself good, and he can make all things happen to come to pass. But, but no matter what, you have a contradictory view of God. So no wonder why we see people who were reformed. And I, by the way, I, I, I don't want to become off like I hate reformed people. Okay. I don't. Okay. I don't want to come off that way. I love reformed brothers and sisters and one of my favorite things, and I will give them a compliment here. Okay. One of my favorite things about the reformed community is how based they are when it comes to conservative values, they, like the pro-life issues and the transgender issues and a lot of those sorts of things. I really appreciate that about that community and the pushback we see there. But some of the things that I just don't think is very, very helpful is um, just how things are in general with all this, right? Like where their view of the decree of God is unchanging, that God decrees everything that comes to pass, including evil. None of that makes a whole lot of sense to any of us, I don't think, uh, at least probably most any people here. So... Bottom line is that this had everything to do with this Calvinism. It did. And anyone who says otherwise is lying to you. Now, here's the ironic part. Now, this is the ironic part I also wanted to talk about. I remember, I am old enough to remember, when uh, John MacArthur's scandal came out recently. Uh, actually, last year at some sort. And me and Brian covered it on an episode. You should go check it out. And... Um, one of the things uh, that happened during that time was as soon as the scandal came out, 
the, suddenly the super base reform community started defending him, right? Uh, and it started turning to, oh, you got to be, you know, they're tone policing. You're being too mean. You're being too harsh. And all these different things about John MacArthur, right? They suddenly came to his defense. You're being too mean. You're being too harsh. Show grace, show grace, show grace. And then this whole thing with Tyler Vela. We see people do the same thing, right? Oh man, you guys, you're not, you, you other people need to stop it. Stop attacking the reform community. Stop attacking Calvinism. Stop using this to attack Calvinism. Stop using this to attack the reform community. But then you get someone like Cameron Bertuzzi, who has been on this journey to Catholicism, right? And very openly and honestly, from the beginning, you know, he wasn't defending a position that he didn't hold to for over the course of a year and debated for it three weeks prior. He didn't do that, right? He didn't do that. He's been very open and honest. And when he announces a conversion, to none of our surprise, I see the reformed guys go crazy and start attacking Cameron, start saying how he's a Romanist, a papist, and, uh, he, and you know, he worships Mary, commits idolatry, and all sorts of things. And I just find, can't help but see the irony where it's like, oh, of course, when it's someone from your group, suddenly the tone matters. But when it's somebody who's not in your group, the tone doesn't matter, which is why you cheered for Tyler Vela and his crassness with other people so long. But as soon as he turned hat and ran, now you're just asking for, for grace and mercy. If that is you and that describes you, stop it. That is actually one of the things that causes church splits. And also one of the things that just makes us look unbelievably hypocritical in the Christian world. It, honestly, here's the thing. I think tone policing is overrated. I think people all the time are trying to police your tones and bottom line is that truth is truth is truth and people will take different tones differently. Some people think I, I've been told by people that I speak way too harshly on here. Uh, I speak way too arrogantly or I'm too sarcastic. Then I've also been told by other people, wow, you're so re it's so refreshing to listen to you. You're so gracious and thought out. And I honestly, guys, that's just, I get so many, we get so many mixed reviews and, and responses. I Honestly, I don't care because tone policing is tone policing. And when we have people going, oh, don't say this about Tyler, don't say this about John MacArthur, but Cameron Bertuzzi, oh yeah, we can just destroy him. It, it really makes it all just kind of, I don't know, fade out uh, in, in a really kind of pathetic way. You just go, I, I can't take you seriously if this is the way it's going to be. So if that describes you, don't do it. But honestly, um, we really should uh, be in prayer for Tyler. Uh, this is cannot be an easy time, but he says that there's, he doesn't see the, like really the evidence here. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. That's actually a good point. Uh, uh, KL says if Tyler attacked non Calvinist Christians, maybe God had good reason to not answer his prayers. That's kind of funny, but actually that was one of the things that he kept saying like, Hey, I prayed for these things. These things didn't happen because again, Somebody who believes that God is causally determined all things, you would expect God to respond. But anyway, um, so a lot of this stuff comes down to that. Like, I, I, that's why I have a hard time. Anyone who believes in determinism, making moral objections, I have a hard time taking seriously because I, you believe that in the end, these things came from God. So it's really hard for me to take objections toward immorality seriously. <sighs> so with that being said, I... I think the evidence, what needs to happen, this is why in general, because I had, I've seen people already spinning out of their faith because of Tyler Vila's renouncement. Uh, Dr. Lydia McGrew even posted about an email she got about it. Guys, this is why we shouldn't put our faith in personalities, right? Like don't put it in personalities. Don't look up to people. These online ministries are tools. They're tools. They're not 
you know, Will Hess is nothing special. Um, you can definitely ask my wife, she'd agree. <laughs> you know, the he's, Braxton Hunter, he's no one special. We're people. Don't make people, if we renounce our faith in this, that shouldn't impact you, okay? Because bottom line is we're responsible for ourselves and you're responsible for yourself. The other thing is, so that cult of personality thing is, it is a problem, but also it's why we need to base our decisions on evidence and reason, not, again, not people and not a particular system of Christianity. If your system, I say this all the time, if you get down to the bottom of your belief system and it causes contradictions, which Calvinism does, right? God is all loving, but he causally determined for most people to go to hell, right? That's a huge problem. Um, so that it causes a contradiction. Well, they, oh, okay, I, is mankind not valuable enough to save then? And how? Do, what does he mean by y'all loving, right? So it causes If at the very bottom of your theology, you start getting contradictions everywhere, you have bad theology, period. It's not the, it's not Jesus that's the problem. It's not God that's the problem or their existence. It's your theology, which is simply your philosophy of God, which simply means you just need to re-examine your philosophy of God and start rebuilding. That's okay. That's positive reconstruction, right? And that's how we grow. I, I believe things now that I did not believe two years ago, that I did not believe five years ago. I've come a long way. And that's because of study, deep thought, and trying to really understand these things. That's what you should do. So, um, yeah, that's just the reality of it. Um, but anyhow, with that, with that being said, actually, um, provisionist perspective, you said you want to hop on. Do you want to do it? I can send you an invite right now. I see you in the comments. Do you want to join me? I'm not kidding. Do you want to do it? Drew? All right, I'm gonna keep talking to see if he's gonna respond, but I, I'm more happy to pull, him, more than happy to pull him in. So, so with that being said, I think we can honestly say we should just look at evidence, right? And that's why I, I, I'm such an advocate for apologetics. If you look at, if you look at the way, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just keeping an eye on the live chat uh, to see if Drew actually wants to join me or not because um, I'm more than happy to have him join me. But I'm not sure if he's able to. So anyhow, but this is why evidence is so important be too because you have to come up with good reasons. Um, so <laughs> Nick, you're, you're killing me here. Okay, all right, okay. Do you want me to invite you, Nick? I'll invite you. I'll do that too. Oh, we'll just have a little round table for two seconds. But um, anyway, so when it comes to like evidence, that's why I like things like, actually I, I have found the writings of Dr. Lydia McGrew to be very helpful. Obviously Dr. Mike Lycona is fantastic as well, even though those two disagree on their approaches, I think you could get a, get a lot of help there. So um, anyway, with that being said, I will, I actually want to definitely show that one, not just because there's that, to affirm exactly what Drew here is saying, I will always be a Christian as well. Period. Like this is one of those things where I don't want I want you guys to realize this. We aren't going anywhere. I'm not changing uh, my my belief in God or in Jesus Christ. I think that's where the all the evidence points to. I'm not changing that. But uh, and honestly, it's okay because here's the thing. I had an encounter with God when I was 17 years old. I did, okay? I had 
when I had this encounter with the Lord, I gave my life to him and I know it was real. And I'm not changing that. To, to quote what Braxton said in his video, once you bend the knee to the king, to renounce that would be ridiculous. I have met the king and I'm okay with where I'm at. So, and it, you know, it's funny because you, you will hear, and I'm very, and by the way, people, yes, I am very open-minded, but I'm open-minded to theological views, open-minded to theological beliefs. I will say I'm not open to Christianity being untrue, not because I can't handle it otherwise, not because I just can't hear the counter arguments, but because I've examined the evidence and went this, unless somebody can give me a better plausible, like a, be, a better and plausible uh, interpretation of the evidence, I'm always going to be a Christian, period. So um, just go through it, comb through it thoroughly. There's a lot of information out there, but guys, it's all available and you can make a decision and you can make an outright, outright decision. But the problem is that if your system of belief, if your system of belief causes contradictions everywhere in your theology, you won't be, you either will be a very ignorant Christian, uh, one who just ignores it, or you might not be Christian very much longer. So bottom line is, is so actually, and I hate to say this, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this because, again, I don't want to just sit here and dog on Calvinists. But I live in West Michigan, okay? I live about 15 minutes from Kelvin College itself, right? The Kelvin College, the second Jerusalem. So I have seen a lot of this sort of thing in my area. A lot of kids are raised with a contradictory view of God. And being raised in the IFB, I saw this too, because various parts of the independent fundamental Baptist world has a very contradictory view of God. And once people start seeing these contradictions, they can't reconcile them. So what do they do? They jump ship. And you can't blame them, because if everything you, if, if you're being taught contradictions, why wouldn't you leave? If the Bible, we would say this, if the Bible contradicted, contradicted itself, it would be false. That's why we say the Quran is false. The Quran is false because it has contradictions. It contradicts decency. It contradicts loyalty. It contradicts um, sexual ethics, uh, moral ethics. It contradicts itself. <laughs> it contradicts other historical records. So we go, yeah, the, the Quran contradicts. It can't be true. So if your view of God is logically contradictory. And you say logic does not apply to God in order to get around it, right? Then what do you got? Well, you have a false belief. Well, the problem is that when you're taught that this is the only orthodox view, this is the only view acceptable within Christianity, and anything else is heresy, you are going to have people leave. Because they're going to go, oh, I can't believe anything else is, is the only acceptable way to believe. Well, that contradicts itself. It can't be true. I'm leaving. That happens way too often. And look, and I think I, I think a lot of our Reformed friends can at least agree to on that to some degree. But the problem is I think Calvinism just does create logical contradictions within the very character of God. So anyway, with that being said, Study up, guys. And I'm. And if you were impacted by this, like negatively, I apologize, guys. Uh, but you have to stay on guard. 
and that's why, again, don't fall into a cult of personality. Um, I, there are certain people I look up to in the faith, but I do not put everything in, okay? I really looked up to Ravi Zacharias until everything came out. And now I go, he said a lot of true things, but unfortunately he did not live them out. Doesn't mean he made all false, he says still have some good quotes though, so I will, I will say that. Um, but honestly, that is, I can't emphasize that enough that it's okay to study other views. So, <laughs> Zamo, you're not gonna leave the Bodhi cult? Brian's not that cool, come on, man. I'll have to let him know that. Well, I mean, if, if Brian ever renounces his faith, I, I, at least I know where you're going. So, <laughs> just kidding. Um, Brian Brian has actually said multiple times that yeah, they've been, he's been through a lot of stuff and he's like, my faith in God's not shaken. Uh, he said actually, he because he was raised Calvinist, he's like actually becoming unreformed like a non-Calvinist has actually deepened my faith because it actually makes it makes a lot more sense to him now. So I think that's really cool. So I'm speaking on his behalf, even though he is not here. He's got a lot going on right now. He's a very busy man. So we're not going to be seeing him probably around all the time right now. Just he's busy, but I plan to have guests on. Actually, Dr. Uh, Tim McGrew has even agreed to come on. Same with Lydia McGrew, so that'll be fun. But anyway, those will be for future episodes. And I think we're going to have Tim Stratton on again in the near future. But anyhow, guys... Um, with that being said, oh, um, <laughs> thanks, David. I'm not apologizing. Sorry, I um, I should clarify. Uh, if you were hurt by Tyler Vela's leaving the faith, I'm sorry. I don't apologize if I hurt your feelings. Uh, <laughs> thank you, David, for catching that. Um, I'm just speaking the the my thoughts and my opinions on this. But again. With all this, Tyler Vela says it was it had nothing to do with Calvinism and his theology. When it, when, it, when it comes right down to it, it did. He wants to be the master of his own fate. His theology doesn't allow him to be that at all, so he renounces the faith. Even though I'm sure it's more in-depth than that, but there is a lot of truth to that. So, um, by the way, guys, uh, Rising Above Podcast is my brother, David Hess. You should check him out. Uh, I've been on his, his channel. And uh, there's an interview with me and him on there. It's pretty raw, FYI, very adult. So be careful. It's uh, very raw. But I do plan to have David on too in the near future. So anyhow. Um, so <laughs> just for now, Caleb, just for now. He's just in the near, just right now. He's got a lot going on. So he might not be on as much right now. But he will be on regularly again. Don't worry. He will be back. He's not leaving us. Brian will never leave. He, trust me, he's too much of a control freak to let this thing go without uh, without his presence. So <laughs> I, I already told him, I sent him a text tonight and was like, hey, Brian, I'm going to do a rogue live, I'm going rogue, I'm doing a live stream. And he goes, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, hopefully it doesn't burn to the ground. He's like, yeah, hopefully not. Because <laughs> he's the guy who keeps track of everything. So, um, but anyway, guys, honestly, I, I really hope your faith is not uh, shaken by someone like Tyler leaving. Um, but guys, honestly, that's why we have to be okay with things being open, all right, in our in our theology. We have to be okay with exploring our theology, challenging our beliefs, and having discussions. If you don't do that, it can cause disaster. And this is why we have to be careful with stupid words like heretic, okay? That should and or blasphemy. That should be reserved for only the highest crimes in theology, not basic mistakes. And also, um, 
You know what? He said it was, oh, I forgot to mention this. The one thing I wanted to mention as well. Remember he apostatized, right? So Tyler Vela uh, announces that over the last year, essentially, he's been living a lie. Then he announces his apostasy, that he rejects everything about Christ. Then he says that it, it'd be worse yet if he was an open theist. And that actually, and then Calvinists within this group were like liking that. And I was like, dude, are you seriously? And they're like, like liking him still responding to the provisionist perspective. Like they're, they're siding with the guy who's not, doesn't even affirm their king, right? This guy called their king a crazy person. Like their Lord and savior, he called a lunatic and they're siding with him and liking his stuff because, well, yeah, he's dunking on the provisionists. That is crazy. Uh, and that should show you right there when you're on the wrong side, when you care more about a theological system than you do about the legitimate, actual crux of the matter, which is who Jesus Christ was and who he claimed to be and, and his work. Like, does anyone else see that as a problem? Let me know in the comments. Does anyone else see that as a problem? It's like you care more about your Calvinism than you do this guy right now. I don't know. That's just I, that that makes me feel all icky all over. So um, anyhow, um, with that being said, uh, I'm not an open theist, guys, but I do have lots of open theist friends, and actually, I would be an open theist long before I was ever a Calvinist because I actually think open theism makes more sense than Calvinism. But anyway, um, anyhow, with that being said, guys, that's my rant. That was my discussion. So sorry for bothering you guys. If it's late at night uh, here, it's, it's 1 a.m. right now. Uh, my daughter gets up early. My wife's gone for the weekend, so I got to be on baby duty. So I got to let you go. So with that being said, if you have not liked and subscribed to The Church Slick, go right on ahead and go ahead and like and subscribe to Biblical Theology unfiltered and also to the provisionist perspective because they're awesome and the rising above podcast with david has the confident faith podcast and uh also do not and i mean do not subscribe to this guy nick quint is the worst and we all hate him so anyhow <laughs> actually you should totally go like and subscribe to his channel he's great so anyway with that being said guys thank you so much for tuning in to the church split like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you think in, in the comments below of the entire situation. I'd be curious to know your guys' thoughts. And let me know if I'm completely crazy. Um, because, guys, one of the things I hear is, I do hear is I'm just, I just tell you my opinions. I tell them to you pretty raw. Um, and sorry, I seemed a little distracted. Uh, it's, it, I was distracted by the live chat, which I always do when I'm in a live stream, which is why when I'm doing a serious, a really serious deep dive, I cannot ever do it live stream. I have to pre-record those because if I get distracted, it's bad. So sorry for any of the dead air, but um, guys, I look forward to talking to you guys really soon. I am recording tomorrow, a pre-recording, not a live stream, doing a pre-recording with a friend of mine tomorrow, and I'm really excited about it because I think you guys will enjoy it. It's going to be with a missionary and it's going to be about getting over victim culture and getting over trauma and the, uh, and, and the problems him and I both have with how people who've experienced abuse and trauma handle it. So with that being said, guys, keep an eye out for that. Take care. I've kept you all long enough with my ramblings and God bless. All right. We'll see you soon.